Before we get started with today's episode, have you listened to our All the Books podcast yet? On All the Books, Book Riot resident Velocireader Liberty Hardy and several rotating co-hosts discuss the week's most exciting and intriguing new book releases from every genre. Stay up to date on the best new books with new episodes every Tuesday and get bonus recommendations for older books every Friday with the All the Backlist drop-in episodes. Never miss the buzz on the best new releases. Listen to all the books on Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlet These Days is your Kidlet connoisseurs pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yan Glazer alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on June 6, 2019. Hello, Matthew. Welcome. Hi, Hi, Karina. All at the same time, I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you. Hey, Karina, I forgot to mention to you that off recording, but I'll mention it on recording because it's awesome, that right now I am reading Stargazing by Jen Wang, a book that you recommended. Yes, I love that book. An upcoming graphic novel. I'm halfway through just from starting it today and love it already. So thanks for the recommendation. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) In other fun and exciting news... Um, did you see we're getting more reviews on I iTunes? I did. I am hoping that you'll read one of them. I, there's so many good ones. Here's the newest review that I read, um, for Kidlet these days. It's from reviewer mad underscore mama. And it says, I'm a third grade teacher in Utah, and I have really enjoyed listening to this podcast. The school I teach at is quite uniform. As a result, I rarely have to confront some of the tough issues that they have talked about so far. I also rarely hear this side of the story. I've loved listening to and wrestling with these ideas that are not typical in my environment and getting book suggestions to open the world to my students. Karina and Matthew are so kind and positive, and their love for books and for people really come through in every sentence. Aww. Also, thank you for writing all the books you mentioned in the show notes. This is a major lifesaver and keeps me from frantically scrawling down book titles while driving. Um, I think Mad <laughs> underscore Mama is like doing our work for us. Thank you for being our PR team. <laughs> yes. And um, Matthew, I know that you're the one who who puts all of those um, links in the show notes. So thank you so yeah. much. That's just so helpful. And um, for those of you who don't know... Um, the besi- behind the scenes uh, picture of this, we Matthew and I spend weeks working together on each episode. We put together a Google Doc and exchange ideas and drop in recommendations and talk about what we'll be speaking about. So we really appreciate reviews for the podcast and we are really glad to get feedback and to hear that people are enjoying it and finding it helpful. 
It's been great to hear people making recommendations through emailing us, you know, kidlit these days at bookriot.com, for people hopping on iTunes and giving us a review, and just people tagging us over Instagram or Twitter. I love hearing how much people are enjoying the book lists. That's awesome. We work hard on that. And um, I, quite frankly, am flattered to make everyone's TBR pile that much taller. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't feel bad about that. (laughs) Not at all. Happy reading. Yes. Well, let's dive into today's episode. So every May um, is a celebration of many things, but uh, one of the big celebrations is that it's Jewish American Heritage Month. And this is a celebration of Jewish Americans who have helped weave the fabric of American history, culture, and society. And I was looking on the website Um, for Jewish American Heritage Month, which is www.jahm.us. And the 2019 theme was Jewish American Illustrators. And I thought that was such a convenient (laughs) theme for... I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that was so awesome. So I thought that was great, especially since we were going to talk about this in the podcast. And if you go to that website, and we'll link it in the show notes, you'll see that they recognize some of the great illustrators that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will recognize. And among those are Maurice Sendak, who um, so many people are familiar with because of his amazing book, Where the Wild Things Are, and my personal favorite, Chicken Soup with Rice. Have you read that one, Matthew? I've read that one, and I love that it's so little. I was going to yeah, say that my, so students, tiny. <laughs> my students' personal favorite is In the Night Kitchen because there's a naked boy. Yes, <laughs> the one yeah, that's falling. <laughs> yes, it's so interesting. Um, yeah, I was those books that are printed so tiny, like my daughters yeah. when they were little, they loved it. Um, Bernard, like printed, oh, go ahead. It's like, oh, no, I was just going to say it's like the trim size of... The um, original Beatrix Potter books, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really tiny. Um, so on the on the website that I just referenced, they also recognize Bernard Weber, which he writes about New York City, which I love, um, the house on East 88th Street, and Lyle Lyle Crocodile, among many others. And Ezra Jack Keats is also on the website. As we all know, he wrote Snowy Day and a whole host of other amazing, wonderful books. We can add Vesper Stamper, who did the YA novel When the Night Sings. Yes. Sydney Taylor book honor um, this year and beautiful book. And she's an illustrator. I've like my brain. I never have heard that Heritage Months have themes. I don't know why I never like looked into that. So the fact that it's themes and also illustrators is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah, I was like, this is so bizarre because it's exactly what <laughs> we were going to be talking about. But Love it. Yes. And as you know, in this podcast, Matthew and I really try to look at a whole range of issues that are cropping up in in the news globally and connect that with themes in children's literature. So one um, one topic that has been coming up a lot in the news is the rise of anti-Semitism in America. And uh, Matthew and I were both doing a lot of research into this and reading a lot of different news reports. And the it's last, been heartbreaking. It has right? been, yes. I mean, we started off this podcast with such 
an uplifting tone, and I don't mean to squash that, but there's just, my heart has really gone out to my friends and family in the Jewish community. It's been, it's been awful to see what is, what has been going on and to imagine how, um, scared one must feel to be, to have, to have your culture attacked this way, to have your, your places of worship attacked this way. It's, it's terrible. Right. Yeah. And then we were looking up some numbers and the Anti-Defamation League reports that anti-Semitic incidents around the nation has been increasing since 2013, with the biggest all-time annual jump coming in 2017, when the tally climbed 57% to 1,986 incidents. And I think we all remember um, back in 2017 when there was the... Um, march in Charlottesville, Virginia, which featured anti-Semites and racists chanting, Jews will not replace us, which was very disturbing. And then even just yesterday, I was looking, I was reading the New York Times, like you do most mornings, and one of the articles was about how hate crimes are spiking in New York City, even as violent crime is going down. So... Um, they give some examples in this article that we'll link in the show notes. In Staten Island, the phrase synagogue of Satan was spray painted on a wall outside a Jewish school. In Brooklyn, a pro-Hitler message was scrawled on a poster outside a Jewish children's museum whose mission is to fight anti-Semitism. And uh, as for some numbers, as of June 2nd, there have been 184 hate crimes reported in the city so far this year, a 64% increase over the same period in 2018, and the increase is being propelled largely by anti-Semitic incidents, which were up by 90%. And this is not just happening in New York, this is happening in other large cities across the nation. In 2018, Los Angeles recorded its highest level of hate crimes in a decade. Washington, D.C. logged 205 hate crimes, nearly double from two years earlier. And Chicago saw hate crimes rise by 26%. And this is all just very sad and disturbing that this is happening. I think for those of us that are not Jewish, which is a lot of us because I'm, I was recently made aware of of how small the Jewish population is in America, um, that it's it's one of our smallest minority populations, and to know how how critical a time it is to be an ally really sticks out to me. You know, listeners of Kidlet these days are no doubt aware of some of the recent attacks against Jews in Jewish synagogues, like the recent shooting at Shabbat in Poe in San Diego. And the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, where the, the, the mass shooting occurred at the Tree of Life um, congregation in Squirrel Hill, um, these these events are are becoming uh, they're becoming regular news. And I think we all also this was recently on NPR the the um, fear of becoming desensitized to mass shootings that we all need to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to become desensitized to unfortunately, this uprising of what's going on. So we thought we would invite someone from the Kidlet community whose printed works alongside her advocacy could help us to better understand how books can serve as a bridge to understanding and help 
toward breaking down ignorance and building up empathy to our Jewish brothers and sisters, neighbors and community members, family and friends. Leslie Newman is the author of 70-plus books for readers of all ages, including the teen novel in verse October Morning, A Song for Matthew Shepard, the middle grade novel Hachiko Waits, the poetry collection I Carry My Mother, the short story collection A Letter to Harvey Milk, and the children's books A Sweet Passover, The Boy Who Cried Fabulous, Quetzal the Cat Who Composed, Sparkle Boy, and Heather Has Two Mommies. Her literary awards include poetry fellowships from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Massachusetts Artists Foundation, and her newest picture book is called Giddle's Journey, an Ellis Island story, and it's illustrated by Amy June Bates. Please enjoy our interview with Leslia. Uh, my name is Leslia Newman, and I use the pronouns she, her, hers, and I am an author. I write for all ages, though these days I'm mostly concentrating on books for children. I've written 70 books, and I write about Jewish themes and LGBTQ themes and animals and, uh, you know, whatever stirs my heart. I love, Leslie, that you not only um, write about what stirs your heart, but also uh, as as a reader of yours, I can say for sure you are stirring up our hearts as well. Your newest picture book, Gittel's Journey, I thought was beautiful. Do you mind sharing briefly about the inspiration behind the story? So Gittel's Journey, an Ellis Island story, is based on my own family history. So it's really interesting because I grew up knowing the story of my Aunt Phyllis's mother, and that's who Gittel is based on, who came to America by herself as a child when, uh, let's see, in the early 1900s, because she was supposed to travel with an adult, but the adult got turned away because of an eye infection, which was very common, and it was also very contagious, so they didn't want anyone on board the ship with that eye infection. Um, And so when she got here, she had been given a piece of paper with the name and address of her relatives written on it. And she held the paper so tightly that all the ink wore off on her hand and they couldn't read it. And so they put her picture in a Jewish newspaper and her relatives saw it and came to get her. And so... You know, I've known that story as long as I can remember, and this is what I really love about being a writer, or about being a human being, really, which is that we are all full of stories. We're all treasure chests, and we all have these stories inside of us, and why something that's really laid dormant for many years travels from kind of the back of the brain or the bottom of the treasure chest up to the top or the front and demands to be told is kind of a mystery. But, you know, we have these um, sparkles of inspiration. And for me, I saw a photograph in the newspaper in the New York Times of a boatload of Syrian refugees washing up on the shore of, I think it was Turkey. And they looked so worn out and sorrowful and frightened and hopeful all at once that I just remembered that story, and so I decided to tell it. And because it's about a child, I thought, well, yeah, it should be a children's book. I think also not only how gorgeous and and, um, carefully you tell the story, I love that the pace just feels 
um, slow and meaningful, like every step of that journey matters. But I also have to be honest and say I love Amy June Bates's illustrations because they're just beautiful. Her illustrations are extraordinary. I have to say that many people have opened the book and literally gasped at the beauty of her illustrations and the borders. Every um, page has a unique border that she hand drew. I mean, she put so much effort into this book. It's incredible. I love that. Okay, so as an author who often writes about her Jewish heritage or share stories from or rooted in that Jewish community, can you speak on a little bit why you choose to center your faith and your culture in your stories, Leslie? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because Well, something very typical that a Jew does is answer a question with a question. So (laughs) I will answer that question by saying, why wouldn't I? You know, so it just feels like why wouldn't anybody write about their culture and their heritage and their faith? Um, Because it's the root of who I am. And so, of course, it's going to come out in my stories. I love that it feels as if... The more books I read of yours, the the more I know you in that way. And I just feel like not all authors do that. It's something uh, very special, I think, that you're giving all of us by sharing little pieces of you, of your beliefs, of your family, of your values. You just share little pieces of you and everything. And I, I really like that. Well, you know, every time I sit down to write a book, I really think, what if this is my last book? I want to leave, what, you know, what if this is what I'm known for? What if this is the one that I'm leaving behind? I want it to be important and I want it to be meaningful and I want it to touch people. Hmm. Well, you're known for all sorts of books with your 70 plus books and, and being out in schools and on book award lists and things like that. Do you mind sharing one or two of those most memorable or impactful experiences you've had when you've been in classes or schools, especially those stories centering on Jewish voices or on your heritage in that way? Well, very recently, actually, um, I paid a school visit at a very orthodox religious school. I mean, I, you know, I had to dress in a certain way. I had to cover my elbows and my knees, and which, you know, was not a big deal. But, you know, just very, very religious. And so when I walked into the classroom, I greeted the children in Hebrew. I said, Bokr Tov, which means good morning, and Manishma means how are things going? And the children just lit up. They were like, are you Jewish? (laughs) And they were kind of wild. But as soon as I spoke to them in Hebrew, they were just wrapped. They just paid total attention because it's like, it's a Yiddish word. They realized we were lansmen, which means kindred spirits, or we come from the same village. And that just moment of connection was really, really special. So um, that's one example. And... Another example, um, I think one of my favorite moments was, and it's kind of my worlds collide in a good way, I read Sparkle Boy at our local um, Jewish school. And so um, we started the evening. I was, it was the first drag queen story hour in a Jewish 
institution in the world. And in fact, it made headlines in the Jerusalem Post, all the way from Northampton, Massachusetts to the Jerusalem Post. But um, so we started off by reading some uh, books with a lot of Jewish content, such as uh, Here is the World, A Year of Jewish Holidays, which goes through the whole calendar year and um, touches on each holiday, which is, um, you know, very important to Jewish life. And then I read well, I, the, actually, this uh, wonderful drag queen named Janaya read Sparkle Boy, and we talked about how that book also has Jewish values, such as accepting people who they are and making room in the world for being yourself. And the um, students at the school just got it immediately and realized how important it is to be respectful of everybody. And then we had... Um, sparkle face painting and we made sparkly crowns for everybody and it was just this really joyful moment of just being open to the joy and magic and beauty all around us every minute which is a jewish concept which is called kavanah which means um, intention and being open to the magical surprises that are given to us if you believe in god from god every minute so so that was just a really wonderful um, meshing of my two worlds oh my word i am getting the greatest education right now i love this i am wrapped with attention and it makes me feel like maybe not unlike something that i do with all of these different visits you're having i feel like you're just sort of cataloging these great memories i keep a smile folder in my in my um filing cabinet of whenever kids make me drawings or little notes or things i've just kept them for my career in this folder so that i can look back and reflect on on moments of the career sometimes really great and beautiful and sometimes bittersweet but these moments that you're sharing even just these two are they're so intimate and so wonderful to see children in that way well, I, I have to say it's a really nice balance from, you know, sitting in my writing room by myself and tearing out my hair <laughs> to being in a room of children who, you know, are so enthusiastic and appreciative. So so it is great. And I, I have to say another thing that happened with Giddle's journey is that so real Giddle, her name was Sadie and she came to this country in 1911 and she had two daughters, one of whom was my Aunt Phyllis, and my Aunt Phyllis had two sons, and each of her two sons had two sons, and each of those four sons have had children. So uh, one of those children is named Matilda, so she is the real Giddle's great-great-granddaughter, and she brought the book to her classroom <laughs> and you know was able to explain that, and she just had so much pride about this. It was, and so I was sent a photo of, of her and, you know, with the book and it was, it was just really just wonderful. So, you know, that's just such a gift as a writer to be able to bring meaning to somebody's life like that and, yes. and to, you know, just kind of open this window into this whole other world about this child's family. And I'm glad that you have those moments where your readers are writing back to you. You're, they're connecting back to you because I know that that there are probably hundreds and thousands of, of experiences and connections being made that you don't get to hear about. So how special it is that, that there are also these moments that you do, that they that get shared with you. 
That's cool. Mm. Well, it's true. I mean, I, I think, you, you know, I've written a lot of books and some have been embraced widely and some have been, I'll say, scorned. <laughs> and I, I do hear about that frequently. So it's really nice to hear the positive things. Have been scorned? Are you talking about your like one of your most famously beloved slash banned books, Heather Has Two Mommies? I guess I am. You've ridden you've ridden the wave on. I, mean, I feel like I feel like so many people embrace that, but I also realize that I am <laughs> that I'm surrounded by a lot of people that are like minded. And so I'm I'm not coming necessarily into into communities where um where I'm I'm seeing such knee jerk reactions against it, but at the same time I'm so grateful and I know many others are too, that, that you have made so many of these stories accessible not only to children to see their own families reflected but also for for other children who that is not their experience and they get to uh, experience that window well you know i think that's why it's really important for a book like giddle's journey to exist right now because there is just so much anti-semitism uh escalating. And in fact, when I went to that very religious uh, Orthodox school, which I was just telling you about, the security to get into that school was really intense. And, you know, I was grateful for that, of course, but I was also really, really sad, you know, that there has to be such a a feeling of, of protectiveness and fear and you know, just um, having to be so cautious yeah, and to grow up like that. And to grow up like that. Yeah. Well, so that I think leads me into my final question. Um, And I I think it's one we've talked around a lot already in our conversation, but just to be outright, in your opinion, why should all educators, if, if they should, why should all educators be including more books by and about Jewish Americans in our classrooms and in our libraries and in our practices? Well, you know, I think that teachers should have a wide variety of books about all kinds of people, including, you know, people of different races, people of different religions, people of different class backgrounds. And so books about Jewish people or or books that contain Jewish characters and um, things about Jewish culture and way of life should just, you know, be right in there with everybody else for, you know, because of the whole concept of windows and mirrors, which I'm sure um, your listeners are familiar with, which is that children need to see themselves in books to validate them. So that's the mirror. And people need to see children who are not like them, which is the window, so that they learn about the beauty and diversity of our world. Well, thank you for your work and for your writing in helping children experience exactly that. Leslie, it's been wonderful talking to you and good luck with all of the (laughs) continued success of the books that you have, but also of all this stuff that I know you're working on and that you have coming out. Oh, thank you. It's time for one of our favorite segments of the show, book talking. Now, I am not Jewish and you, Karina, are also not Jewish, correct? That is correct. (laughs) So we thought we'd reach out to a friend to help us make our list today. 
Heidi Rabinowitz is the host of the Book of Life podcast, a show about Jewish kid lit, mostly, that you can find at bookoflifepodcast.com. I highly recommend it and will link to it in the show notes. She is the co-founder with Susan Cousel of the Jewish Kid Lit Mavens discussion group on Facebook, as well as the library director at Congregation B'nai Israel in Boca Raton, Florida. Heidi shared her recommendations with us over email, and Karina and I are going to take turns reading her excellent book talks. But first, I want to point out that Heidi also shared links to book discussion guides available for free from PJ Library. PJ Library is a program of the Harold Grinspoon Foundation, a North American Jewish nonprofit organization based in West Springfield, Massachusetts. It was created in December 2005 as a Jewish engagement and literacy program for Jewish and interfaith families with young children. More resources from PJ Library and more information about PJ Library can be found at pjlibrary.org. So why don't I start us off with a Sweet Passover by Leslie Newman. Um, Heidi says she seems like a great choice, and the book seems like a great choice, because Passover is a holiday people have heard of and may be interested to learn more about. And this book in particular, because it's about an easily accessible food. It offers a sensory experience. Any reader can go to the supermarket and get some matzah to taste. They don't even have to cook it. Did you know you don't have to cook matzah? I did not know that. I did anyway. know that. I did know oh, that. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I live in New um, York City, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Heidi, writes, Heidi writes, I especially like to share friendly matzah stories because it counteracts the ancient blood libel, the pernicious lie that Jews use the blood of Christian babies as an ingredient in matzah. Isn't it ridiculous that Heidi even has to think of such a thing? But even though this was mostly a medieval phenomenon, it's never completely gone away. So if you look at the Wikipedia link that we will link to in the show notes, you'll see citations of recent instances. And again, we will link to the PJ Library Guide for A Sweet Passover by Leslie Newman. That is a really strange... um... It's a strange thing about the blood libel. I had never heard that, and then I looked it up um, using her link, and that, I just found that very puzzling. <laughs> but um, Also, a word about the PJ Library Guide. I had just recently been made aware of that organization, and I was looking at a lot of these links as I was reading through Heidi's um, book talks and her recommendations, and they are really great sort of um, one-sheet descriptions of the book as well as activities you can use um, to supplement the book. So I found them really helpful and and fun to read. I felt also, Karina, that the discussion questions that they offer, there's always like five or six discussion, five or six discussion questions, and they work really well both in the classroom and also at home reading with your child. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I thought nice that they work for such a, a wide range of readers, a wide age range. Yeah, I agree. So I um, will book talk the next one, which I don't know how to pronounce that first word. Do you, do you, Matthew? Kibitzers. Okay, Kibitzers. I just yeah. didn't want to say it wrong. <laughs> so Kibitzers I've heard this word before. Fools. Have you? <laughs> I okay. have. Yeah. Um, I have and- a Jewish mother-in-law. 
<laughs> okay, well, there you go. Um, Kibitzers and Fools by Sims Tabak. And I was already familiar with this author illustrator because he wrote Joseph Had a Little Overcoat, which won the Caldecott in 2000. And I love that book and read it to my kids a lot when they were younger. Anyways, Kibitzers and Fools, um, Heidi says this is a collection of short stories and jokes that do a great job of conveying Yiddish humor to modern children, um, which she says is no easy task. (laughs) So she said that there's a PJ Library discussion guide, we'll link to it, and she said that she she wrote... um, and contributed to that when she worked briefly at PJ Library. And she was saying that the most important point, perhaps, is that Jewish humor tends to be about picking ideas apart because Jewish culture values intense thinking and discussion. And she says the illustrations are a riot, which I'm sure they are because this illustrator is just so good at capturing humor And I was just doing a little bit of research about him when I was um, preparing for the podcast. And I read on Wikipedia that he designed the first McDonald's Happy Meal box in 1977, (laughs) which I just found so, yeah, incredible. I I never knew that. So I'm hoping that Wikipedia was true because sometimes, you know, you never know. But um, but that that would be really i just never knew so yeah there you go well so the next book that heidi recommends is the always prayer shawl by sheldon oberman and she says i like how this book takes us across generations all connected by the heirloom of a talit or prayer shawl it even starts in black and white and then goes to color at the end it goes on to uh no detail about why the family left russia for america But it's an extremely common Jewish experience to have immigrated to the U.S. to get away from anti-Semitism. A nice detail is that Adam is named after great-great-grandfather, not father or grandfather. In Jewish Ashkenazi European tradition, it's considered bad luck to name a child after a living person. They don't mention this in the book. But the way they describe the continuation of the name Adam within the family is very authentic. As soon as I heard that, I, I uh, looked up the book and found out that we have it in our local library. put it on hold. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Sounds fascinating. So I think I should say that I'm having like that meta experience of, oh, we just read that comment of of how we're recommending books and everyone's rushing to scroll them down and then Heidi names all these books for us. And I'm like, well, now now I have to read them. There's no way I can't read these books. Yeah, I've been doing that too with this podcast. <laughs> like sometimes you'll, you'll say a book and I'm like, oh, I really need to read that immediately. And I put it on hold at our library. Okay, so the next picture book, which is the last picture book we'll discuss, is called Mitzvah Pizza by Sarah Lynn Sh- uh, Shearger. I hope I pronounced that right. Anyways, she says this is a new contemporary story that incorporates Jewish values into a multicultural setting. And a mitzvah is a good deed, and the story is based on an actual pizza shop in Philadelphia where people pay it forward to buy pizza for those who can't afford it. And in this case, in the book, um, they use Post-it notes to um, sort of 
signify money and then to sort of pass on that post-it note and then pay for someone else's pizza. And the Jewish protagonist, Missy, appears to be of East Asian descent and her dad is white and we don't see the mom. So um, Heidi was saying that Missy may be biracial or adopted. And she says, this is a nice touch of representation of the modern reality of Jewish families in which there is quite a bit of diversity. And um, I read the PJ Library Guide, which I found was really interesting. And um, in it, it notes that helping others without making them feel like they're getting charity is a long-established Jewish tradition. So, yeah. So we're going to jump into middle grade. And uh, the first book on our list is... All of a Kind Family by Sydney Taylor. And I begged Matthew to let me book talk this one because this is a book <laughs> I have read and loved. And I grew up in California in this uh, suburb of Los Angeles. And um, I'm Chinese American, so I was basically um, around Chinese American communities or um, Asian communities. And I was not around many Jewish communities. So when I read this book, I read it as uh, as a child, and I loved it. And it was so interesting because it was this family in New York City, a big family in New York City, and uh, living in the early 1900s. And um, there's just so many great details about Jewish life and living on the Lower East Side. And um, I just thought it was so great. And so when... Uh, I read it, I felt like I really wanted to move to New York. And when I did move to New York for college, um, I spent a lot of time exploring the Lower East Side of New York where the book was set. And also when I wrote uh, my book, The Vanderbeekers, The 141st Street, I thought a lot about All of a Kind Family because that book is about a big family and in The Vanderbeekers is about a big family. And I just loved the way Sidney Taylor captured a big family living in New York. And um, the American Library Association actually has an award named after her, the Sydney Taylor Book Award. And uh, there's now a picture book based on the series called All of a Kind Family Hanukkah by Emily Jenkins. And um, she, uh, Heidi also says there's a recent chapter book that portrays the same cozy Jewish family life, but in Europe which is called The Family with Two Front Doors by Anna Sitter. Karina, that connection that you have to that book is so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I love that book so much. And now living in New York, um, you know, there's a huge population, a huge Jewish population in New York City, and it's been really fun to be exposed to um, just, like, the culture and food and... Um, religion and yeah it's been really interesting for me well the next novel that Heidi recommended was a book that I read I was so excited that she mentions The Inquisitor's Tale by Adam Gidwitz Um, I interviewed Adam on the children's book podcast when the book came out and uh, it's an incredible book and I think that everyone who has read it has had a very similar experience with with how beautiful the book is also illustrated. Hatem Ali illustrates it. It really makes you think hard, Heidi says, about religion, among other things. And it's adventurous and funny. 
Um, I did not realize that it went on to become a Sydney Taylor Book Award gold medalist in 2017, in addition to uh, the Newbery recognition. So uh, this is maybe one of the best times for folks to discover The Inquisitor's Tale by Adam Gidwitz. And if not reading the novel, absolutely pick up the audiobook. I have read both the novel and enjoy the audiobook as well. And there is uh, there was a medieval professional musician performer that, that performs on performs the songs on the audiobook that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yeah, it's really um, cool. About the audiobook. <laughs> I read the um, just a hardcover and I love the illustrations. I think it adds so much to the story. And I think um, maybe it was your podcast, Matthew, um, that you were saying or you know, you were having a discussion about how they tried to um, imitate a medieval manuscript and how it looks right. um, with the illustrations. The, the word is illuminations, ah. not illustrations. They're illuminations. illuminations. They're Thank meant, you. They're meant. Sometimes they don't even connect with the actual story. Right. That's to, what I found so fascinating. I thought that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Right. Like, or it would show the opposite of what what was going yeah. on in the story. Or, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But it's the illustrator sort of having fun that way. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Right. You want to do the next one? Yes. Okay. So the next one is The Six-Day Hero by Tamar Stein. And Heidi said that this chapter book is super um, interesting. It will get kids turning the pages. It takes place in Israel during the Six-Day War and is perhaps the only children's novel to describe that period in history. Um, She says it does a great job of capturing the emotions of the people living through it. And um, she says that the story includes Jewish characters trying to build bridges with others at the end. And we will link to the PJ Way guide in the show notes. And the final book that Heidi recommends is a comic. And I should point out it's a comic that was part of our... We have a state book award in Maryland called the Black Eyed Susan Book Award. And the first year that we started a graphic novel award... Hereville, How Mirka Got Her Sword by, by Barry Deutsch, was included in our 10 nominees. So children all over Maryland read this book. It's the first in a trilogy um, about a very unlikely heroine, an Orthodox Jewish girl who wants to fight monsters. It takes place in a fictional all-Jewish town, and Orthodox ways of life are seamlessly woven into the adventure. And while it doesn't exactly represent anyone's Jewish experience, being a fantasy, it's tons of fun and does convey a lot of Jewish culture, especially I felt how beautifully seamless it was that these traditions were just woven in that um, that you just experience Mirka going out to fight monsters or catch gigantic fish alongside of depending on the time of year or season that that was going on along with these different traditions happening. Uh, There's a a guide for that as well. Um, And Heidi goes on to say that, that none of the books are realistic contemporary chapter books. Um, That there are many, many modern books that portray contemporary Jewish kids just living their lives in American society, but they don't usually emphasize Judaism. So that's specifically why Heidi chose these books to share with us today. Um, One that isn't overtly super Jewish, the way she worded it, but does incorporate values pretty well, uh, is a book called Queen of Likes 
by Hilary Homsey that Heidi says is about a modern Jewish girl who has to adjust when her parents ban social media. There's a PJ Arway guide for that as well. Uh, so I know we went through a ton today, both with the current events that have been going on, as well as all of these books and book guides. Rest assured, we've got your back. We have everything in the show notes waiting for you at bookriot.com slash listen, not just for you to enjoy, but for you also to share with the other readers and other teachers and other librarians and book promoters in your life. Again, go to bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you for joining us. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at, at Matthew Winner or on the Children's Book Podcast, which you can listen to on your favorite podcast app. And, you know, if you hop onto iTunes and leave us a review, we might be reading it next week on the show. If you have a story idea, please do reach out to us on social media or over email at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about, what you thought of this episode, or what you would like to see on the show next time. And until then, may your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming.